0: Hi, this is Tom Warman, former hard rock record producer, current Berkshires Innkeeper, and this is Focus on Metal. Middlehead Scott here. And me again. Guess what? It is time once again for that which we call Focus on Metal. And uh how are we doing, man? Good. We're going doing good. Old,
1: we're going old school tonight.
0: <laughs> so uh, you know, uh great great guest we have this week, Graham Sharp. Has had a book out for, for a while now, right?
1: Yeah, um
0: final countdown. Um he's not a metal guy, but every time you say that. Vinyl countdown. Does the little part of your brain go do 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 do? No, just your, <laughs> just yours. <laughs> Worse, it's my brain does it with the visual of the the guys from the Vakken movie that are doing it acoustically with flutes and stuff, walking along in costumes. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> but um,
1: he's he's a he's a collect he's a collector. Yeah, and he wrote a book all about his collecting. And he went to stores all over the world. And he had stories about going to all of them. Yeah. And then he had observations about collecting vinyl. And some of the lengths he goes to to get stuff. Yeah. And it, it's fascinating. And I picked up the book and I read it. So I contacted the, the, the publishing house. And I asked, could I interview Graham? And I believe the book came out towards the end of 2019. Hmm. So I didn't know whether he was done yeah. doing press for it. And uh, I got a response back saying, yeah, Graham would love to do an interview. So it, it took a couple of weeks to schedule. Yeah. And then I spent, I don't know, about 40 minutes talking to him. He lives in England. yeah, And uh, it was fascinating talking to him. Yeah, uh, I touched on certain things in the book about collectors and... <laughs> And he, he had some funny stories and he's uh, just a re- really nice guy. He's not a guy where I could say, do you have the, you know, the, the original Music for Nations copy of Master of Puppets? And yeah. all that. It was more of a general vinyl collecting kind of a thing. And we talked about a lot of things like Record Store Day. And and, and to be honest with you, I got... Um, I got back into vinyl again after Christmas Because my wife got me a turntable Yeah um, And you got one here what, what? Before you got that When was the last time you bought vinyl?
0: Um It was probably a couple of years ago Because I had I had a turntable at the house Okay Um I just didn't get it in the divorce <laughs> So <laughs> got my albums Okay Um and I, you know, I was like, all right, so, I, you know, I want to go back and get a get a nice turntable again. And, um, you know, also because now it was getting more regular that there were things that were coming out that I was like, yeah, I li- I'd like to have that on vinyl. And, you know, part of, you know, doing this, I think that really piqued me is that, you know, I listened to the interview and stuff and I thought, yeah, this, you know, there's a, there's a lot to talk about here. Well, oh, definitely. And, that, and that's part of it is... um you know, kind of twofold, because you did that, but then in the interview, you talk about um, watching one of the documentaries that was out there about vinyl collecting. Oh, my God. Fasc- so I don't know which one you, you, you did, but Scary. I know there's a couple other ones that were out there, and I went, you know what? Those have been on my watch list for a while. I just haven't sat down, and so that triggered me, like, I want to go watch those documentaries. So I watched two of them, and um, some of them were just... You know, one guy who's got like you can barely walk through his house.
1: Was that the one I told you to watch? The, um, the guy had uh, glasses and had vinyl everywhere in his in his room and in the toilets and, and yeah. The, yeah. And then he
0: had a storage locker that yeah. got flooded and, yeah. all, and like and uh, then there was another one that That's I watched scary as shit, well though. that uh, was wasn't that hardcore, but it was also it was very interesting, but. You know, they do, they do bring up kind of the, some of the points, though, where on not so much that one, but the other one talking about, you know, vinyl quality. And, I, you know, I can remember that vinyl pricing going up during the 70s, with the oil price crisis and all of that. I remember all of that. And then I can also remember that, um, you know, I've got some vinyl that I got that was like through like Columbia Records and Tapes. And you would get some of those. And I kid you not, we used to joke, we'd hold them up to the light. And you can see the light coming through pinholes in the records. Because <laughs> <laughs> so when when people talk about the fact of coming back and doing 180 gram albums again, like that really means something visceral to me. Mm. Because again, I remember holding up albums that were done s- so cheaply that you could see through them basically. Yeah. Um, so to have good vinyl that was going to allow the dynamic range and the grooves and all that is like it's it's great. So having you know bought albums when they were. Pretty well made, but still mass produced. And then living through the, having them get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as, um, you know, they need, trying to deduct cost and CDs were coming in and all that. Um, And now to see it come back, it's got a, you know, it's got a pretty great interest to me.
1: The the last two albums I bought on vinyl, and I think it was, this will tell you, you might remember the years these came out, was Van Halen's For Unlawful Carol Knowledge. It was 91. And Dan Reed Network's The Heat. And uh-huh. I bought them on the same day. Yeah. And then I got a CD player the week after. <laughs> and the first three or four CDs I bought were Soraya's When the Blackbird Sings, Mr. Big's Lean Into It, and pull Boys Freak Show was another one. Yeah. And then after that, it was CDs. Yeah. It was CDs for years and years and years and years and years. And even when I moved here, all my vinyl stayed there. Yeah. For a while. I, like, And then I got a brought over yeah and did I get caught up in the revival I probably did a little bit (laughs) um but my wife bought me a turntable for Christmas and she said I don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea (laughs) um so since Christmas I probably bought about 25 albums yeah um there's a great place here in town that I go into and I'll, I'll look for stuff but all the albums are old. Um, all the new stuff that's coming out, I buy on CD. I, d- I don't think I'm going to start buying the new stuff. No? No, I don't think so. Um, like a Black Swan is, is CD, Sepultura is CD. Um, I think the price of vinyl, the new vinyl, is outrageous, personally. I think it's like $25, 30 I know it's not it, been as mass-produced. That, it's part of it, right? It's, 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 low, expensive. it's low
0: volume, but it's also they've gone back to making vinyl that is thick again.
1: Yeah, 180 grams. And yeah. and it
0: will, it's not going to warp. And then in some cases, like, you know, a lot of that Metallica stuff that I've got, um, that's the reissue stuff, they also did it, you know, that it ends up taking two albums because they they really, they remastered and they, they put the dynamic ranges in the groove. So they're not trying to cram all that into one side anymore. So you're really getting all of that. And so, yeah, it's like, if it's what you enjoy, you know, then then why not?
1: Yeah, I, I just, I'm i buying a lot of old stuff. Yeah. And funnily enough, some of it is stuff I only have on CD. I never had vinyl, so I'm going the other way around on some of it.
0: And there's, you know, there's there's differences too that, you know, that you can, you can do. So, and it, it's weird because, you know, I really did a lot of thinking after hearing the interview and thinking about, Things like when they remastered the the Beatles probably ten twelve years ago, and they made it all, you could get it either in mono or stereo, and a lot of the Beatles albums were really all in mono, and stereo was kind of an American thing. um Most of Europe was happy to have mono and and a lot of it was all originally mixed in mono and and the stereo was kind of like a last minute ah screw it we'll we'll do the stereo mix, not really a lot of care taken into mm. it at all, um but hearing that and listening to it on c d and i 'm like, oh my God like. You, you're, you can hear things like in, in the songs you never heard before because the CD was allowing them to do it. So on one hand, you got this this vinyl has this warmth and, and kind of aura to it that I grew up listening to, but I'm, I can't hear all that stuff. And it's, it was, it's all in there, but I can't hear it. And then the CD was allowing it to yeah, actually, you know, so it's like, what does sound better, you know? um but i I, you know i still i still like vinyl it is is it convenient as cd well no you know because you put the cd in listen to the whole damn thing right you're not getting up in 22 minutes to flip it over or if you've got one that's split up you're not going up every 10 minutes to change a side
1: the one thing i there's a couple of things but one thing i find great about vinyl now is uh I can read the liner notes because yep. my eyesight's getting a bit shitty. <laughs> um, I'm with you on and that And the, the other thing is how, how much effort was put into the artwork back then. Yeah. And then you compare it to now and it's like night and day. It is,
0: yeah. It really is yeah. like night and day. The other thing, too, that, you know, is that on one of those documentaries, and it's true that, you know, before I would, the vinyl was put it on and listen. You didn't really do anything else. I you would put it on there and you would just listen to the vinyl, um, and I, I really you know I couldn't agree more with that guy that he when he was talking about that is that you know that's the experience with CDs. It's like you put it on, and you do other shit.
1: Seventy-five minutes later, it stops. <laughs> here's an here's an interesting thing thing about vinyl. You know, people talk now about young kids that they don't have the attention span. Mm-hmm. Here's an interesting theory. You're probably going to shut. Shoot me down for it, but do you think that the kids are listening to vinyl because they have to pay attention to it more because they have to turn it over and it's shorter? Just when I mean flip the vinyl and all that, like if you've got a double album and the album's like fifty minutes or an hour, like you got to pay attention. You're, you're, you're yeah, you're saying
0: pay I, attention. I think it's a. I, I my own theory is that I, I think that. In an in electronic device world, that less and less people have a physical connection to something. And vinyl makes you have a physical connection. And I think that in some ways that fills like a spot that they need. They need to have that physical connection. Um, so they're trying to, in one thing, trying to experience or trying to get some sense of of like what their parents experienced, but it's also forging this other little physical, hold it, touch it, pay attention to it, like all of that connection that you have.
1: Well, the store that's in town here, I'll I'll go there and I'll bring my daughter. She's nearly five. Hmm. So I'll start looking at something. She knows where the kids' records are. She goes straight over. They have a little stool. Uh huh. She stands on the <laughs> stool and starts flipping through the records. And the only thing I say to her is, don't fucking break any of them now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because... Um, You know, like even though I I had the turntable, especially when the kids were little, I just didn't really use it um, because they're jumping around, they're being maniacs. The next thing you know, you got. Oh. So, um, I was funny. I they 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 found the albums, and because I I I kind of just put them away in the closet. I had them all filed and alphabetized, and I could get to them. But I just I had them in a closet, and they found them, and they were like, "Dad, what what is this?" And I'm like, "That's music." I took an album out and they're just looking at this black disc and they're just like looking at me like, like if they could have said, you're full of shit, they would have said you're full of shit because yeah. the eyes said it all. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like would this you, is music. would you keep the eight tracks? Actually, I, nope, I never had an eight track. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that for a minute. Um, my best friend, he was in the eight tracks. Wow. Those drove me crazy. Oh, those suck so bad. Do you have cassettes? I, I had a few cassettes, not yeah, many. Well, I had, a, well, lot I had I... a lot of... I would record albums. I'd like get a TDK-95 yeah. and I'd record an album and an album. I had a lot
1: when I was up to, say, like 16 or 17. And then I started buying vinyl Yeah, and then CD and then the CD until... And it was like the documentary
0: that, you know, I, I, I did I did cassettes only because the first car I had had a, an add-in... Big huge freaking cassette player thing under the dashboard, so it was like, Oh, great, I want to listen to all this stuff, so I would just record cassettes and, and put those in. I very rarely bought um, any kind of um, you know regular store cassettes, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, my, my best friend growing up here yeah, he had a lot of eight tracks, those things sucked.
1: Hey, see, I see, I never downloaded stuff a lot. Yeah. Really. I don't do Spotify. I've yeah. al- I've always been a physical product guy. Uh huh. Ever since I was like 13 or it's 12 or 13 years of age, the formats have changed. Yeah. And now I've gone backwards to go forwards. But, yeah. But um, I've never really done the Spotify thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people swear by it. Good luck to you.
0: Again, they're doing a lot of that as they're doing stuff. So. Um not so much Spotify, but like, you know, my girlfriend will do, she does Pandora and she'll, you know, at work, she's got Pandora on, she's got stations and she's listening to like all kinds of stuff. Um, And she really doesn't have any physical product. And if she's, if she is loading something in, she's usually like, Oh, do you have this, this album or that album? And I'll bring it over. And she, she, you know, copies it down. But otherwise, yeah, it's like, I've got all the physical product.
1: See, that's, that's the one thing that, you know, when people talk about, you know, owning music, and someone says to me, "Oh yeah, I have all these albums," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Where? I have them here on an iPod." Yeah. And I'm like, "Do you? Yeah, but I, you own them? Yeah, you own them. Yeah, but I'm holding them." Yeah. I ha- I have them. You have them, but I think I have them. Yeah. Um. You know, some people say you're full of shit, but I think the physical product way is. I, yeah. And I I mean the iTunes the best, my my iTunes
0: library me. is huge too, but if I had if I had all of that physically I don't think we could walk in here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um I'm pretty selective now on what I buy. Um, you 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 know me long enough now, right? If I like bands I I I'll get their stuff. I won't take chances as much anymore. But like if I if I Spotify'd stuff and all that I'd probably listen to a lot more music. Hmm. Um, I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. I like what I like. Uh-huh. Um, you like what you like. You'll listen to a lot more of the European power metal and all that. And mm-hmm. I just won't. Yeah. I get sent all these, all this music. Can you review this? Can you review that? And I'm like, I just don't have the time. And to be honest with you, sometimes I just don't want to. Yeah. I'd rather listen to something that I put on and I'm like, I know what this is like. I know I'm going to like it. Yeah. I don't want to spend two or three hours listening <laughs> to something and then go. This is a load of shit. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, satellite's pretty good for that. You can get a good variety. They actually they started playing on uh, on uh, XL Metal. They started playing Isolation. Oh, good. Yeah, I heard that over the weekend. I was like, I you know heard the first opening chords and I was like, Hey, wait a minute, this is Isolation. I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, I'm sitting in the stoplight down your here. Your new favorite
1: band. And I got it. I actually <laughs> I had it,
0: I had it cranked. And it was during Winterfest. All I'm getting is dirty looks. I was ah, like, like, oh, yeah, this is good. Um, but they, you know, um, that, that song definitely has a Slayer feel to it.
1: Here, when is, what's the last vinyl album you bought? I'm not talking the box sets because you buy Metallica's and all that. That you actually went out of your way to buy that's new. <laughs> These guys sitting Who? on top of the turntable right now. Okay, but only on vinyl? Or did you buy the, the, the box I bought set? both. Yeah. No, I'm, a, I'm on about just the vinyl. I know you do Sound of Thunder and you do all the bundles and all that. I'm just talking the vinyl record of a new band.
0: Well, I could have bought just the CD. I okay. opted, I wanted the vinyl.
1: You wanted a vinyl yeah. too. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. And part of it is, is that they do, you know, they do a good, great album art, all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, I want that on vinyl.
1: Here, what's the name of the band? Give them a plug there. What are they?
0: You see, if you had the vinyl, you'd have to see it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I've had this band on. Like, my brain is dead today.
1: This is great radio. It is. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. It's well, yeah. I, I, um... There's a couple of the ones I've had up there that I did that, uh... That Def Leppard one on vinyl. The Abbey Road one. Yeah.
1: He's gone walking over there now yeah. to look at his vinyl. What's the rarest thing you have on vinyl?
0: The rarest thing I yeah. have? Yeah, name vinyl? a
1: couple of the things you have that are. You showed me some last. Oh, well, yeah, like the Green World
0: uh, Molly Crew. Leather records album. one. Yeah, leather records, yeah.
1: You said you had Pyromania with no keyboards? I have
0: Pyromania with no keyboards, yep.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Way well, back, well, yeah, before, like, it hit MTV and all that. Yeah. Okay. got that one.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, I got a couple. I got, well, I got Appetite with the band cover, and I got the EP on picture disc.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, so I've got some of the picture disc ones, and I showed you, like, yeah, the Witchfinder General one I've got on picture disc.
1: You had some Motley Crew picture Disc. I do, there, yeah.
0: Motley Crew, yeah.
1: But way back. It's great looking at these things and taking them out. You know, I, I think CDs are great and all that, but they just don't have the... The appeal of looking at a vinyl record to me.
0: Yeah, the other thing with the vinyl too, though, is that you know when when I was doing vinyl, you didn't have a lot of money, so whatever you bought, I mean, it was it was precious.
2: Oh, so you know, was.
0: um, you know when Back in Black came out, like I bought that the first day it came out, right? I was I knew it was coming out, save the money. Bought that, and it was just played that thing into the ground. You know, just headphones on just over and over again. Same thing, Aerosmith, Draw the Line. Like, the, all those albums, you spent a lot of time with those albums. Um, and, yeah, now I'm kind of like, well, I don't know how many albums I got in this week. Three, six, nine, i no, got to 12. <laughs> um, and you don't spend as much time. Um, well, one thing too, you don't have as much time, as well. Um, although I do now, I did get a, uh, a CD player for the truck, so I can now pop CDs and again, like I was doing with couldn't the charger, have, um, which is great. So I can do that. I can do that at volume, which will be great. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you don't. You just I I would spend so much time with those albums that uh, that you just really never did with the CD.
1: No, I have to agree with you. And then of course you're doing you're you're listening to music while doing something else. Yeah. Um and to me when I put on the vinyl everyone else go away. Just yeah. let me listen to something. Give me half an hour, 40 minutes or whatever yeah. and I'll put something on. Um It's been a great experience for me since I got back and I've had people message me on Facebook and comment on some of the posts that I make saying welcome back to the dark side. (laughs) Um, I'm sure they might have gone into it feeling the same way I did in the beginning, that it wasn't going to pull you back in. Uh, It's pulled me back in, but I know people that have gone all the way back, that they won't actually buy CDs now, that they'll just buy vinyl. Mm -hmm. Good for you if you can do it. It's a little bit more expensive, and sometimes it's a little bit harder to get.
0: Yeah, well, like Um, even the New Testament, I iota that on vinyl
1: on vinyl yeah okay when is that out in april
0: yeah i think it's april yeah something like that yeah although they they played the new they played a new cut off of that sunday too okay yeah Yeah, it's good damn yeah it's good
1: i'm looking forward to that new testament can't go wrong can't go wrong
0: with that did that and then there was what else did i do um oh the new the new metal church
1: oh the vault one I bought that on vinyl. Okay. That, well, that's Rat Pack.
0: You probably, you know, so it was like, the and then pack. I looked at it and went, oh crap, I missed the splatter one from him. And I was, yeah. I was like, oh, no, I'm stopping for tonight.
1: <laughs> I must try to get uh, Mike Howe on, because I think it's all from his era. It is. It is yeah, all Mike I'm, Howe I'm, stuff. Yeah. I think I'd Kurt on the last time. I'll see if I can get Mike this time.
0: Yeah. But, um, um, you know, sure, it is sure It is cool him. to to kind of be... Going back in, because for a while it was, you know, I, I agree with you. For a while it was like, okay, is this a trend? And you know, I had like my nephews—they trying to get like my dark side of the moon off of me and all that—and it was like, well, you know, what is this? This is like this little trend that's going to happen. And I thought, okay, you know, you had like Jack White had, you know, he opened up Third Man and he was doing Vine. I'm thinking, okay, this is getting to be like this little trendy thing, and it's gonna—it's either gonna stay this little thing. Or it's just the bubbles is going to burst, and that's going to be it, right? And that was my thought. I don't think it's a trend. But it's, but it's now weird. We're, we're now we're like we're a lot years, of years in. into this, right? All,
1: all you got to do, I, I know there's not that many record stores anymore, but I I was in Newberry Comics last last weekend, hmm. and um, they did at least twice as much space in there for vinyl than they did CDs. Yeah. And about a year ago, it was the other way around.
0: Yeah, and it was you know because we we every time if we're in a mall and it's got a Newbury Congress we gotta go in and look at all the dumb shit and cause problems but it's always great to walk up to the vinyl and be like old school flipping through the bins it's like
1: my son was with me and he's looking through some of them you have that I said yeah but I have that's the $25 version I have the one that's 30 years old (laughs) (laughs) and he's like huh like who gives a shit
0: (laughs) I do (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean some of them i'm sure that you know i've got um stuff that's still wrapped and things like that too but yeah i've got multiple versions of stuff i showed you i've got like multiple versions of power slave and things like that yeah that, you know i picked up and yeah. um just some of the other original stuff so it's 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 cool to have around that's
1: an album i never got on vinyl as Slave. i got it on cassette <laughs> and then cd yeah and it's w- probably one of my favorite album covers, and I never had it on vinyl. Like, mm. Ah, fuck! I'll have to get that now. Damn you!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I said I'm surprised that it's still it's still going, and, and you know, then looking and seeing how many documentaries there are, and seeing the people in the documentaries, and some of the crazy stuff that they're doing, and uh, but then some, on the other some
1: hand, here some of it is crazy, some of it is borderline. Yeah. Nuts! Like yeah. the, the these guys, like the one I watched the, the, is collecting now under serious. Yeah, well, issues, I, I think it's the same. I think the, the
0: first one that I watched was the same one that you watched. This is the guy who's like he's got like a little lamp on his head. Yeah. he's waiting at a flea market for yeah. the second it opens, yeah. and he's just buying like tons of stuff.
1: And he and he's buying anything. Yeah, like just fucking weird shit.
0: Yeah. I'm, so it was like that so that was the first one that, that I watched then I, then I watched another one as well that was kind of more tempered um, and you know they were talking about this a place, and they were opening up in New York where they're um, just like cataloging all these albums, and there's people that are just dropping off albums and just donating donating them to this I guess this guy started off with a big collection, and then he decided that I need to stop, I need to stop the collecting, but I need to make sure these are available to everybody. So they started to they open this thing up and yeah people like just drop stuff off and they they catalog it and put it away and people can come got, and borrow them and you it's got like the address? Oh. <laughs> 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 nope, don't. <laughs> um but yeah it is it is um it's definitely uh it, it can be addicting. So really We've been talking for half an hour
1: about vinyl, and we've got someone on talking about vinyl. Yeah. And if you're not into vinyl, wait, you'll, you'll enjoy next week's show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, most of the metal listeners, you guys are physical product guys, too. Uh, yeah, so yeah. That's part of having somebody on is to is to talk about this. So uh, we got some other little things like that this year as well that um, we had a great discussion on Um ticket prices and all that good oh, yeah. stuff. So we've got some other other things we're doing as well. But, uh, yeah, why don't I take Richie's hint and, and roll our uh, our interview with Graham Sharp, the author of Vinyl Countdown.
3: Hello. Is that Graham? Certainly is.
2: Hi, Graham. It's Richie here for the interview. Sorry I'm a few minutes late.
3: That's all right. No problem.
2: Yeah, so uh, where in the UK are
3: you? I am in Harrow in northwest London.
2: Okay. Um, I'm just outside of Boston in the U.S. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Yeah, so, You uh, probably
3: can't envisage where I am and I can't envisage where you are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Have you done a lot of press for the book?
3: Yes, it's it's been very well received and uh, I'm very pleased with it. It's been recently um, reprinted, so all is good.
2: Yeah, um, I'll tell you how I found out about it. Um, a guy called Dave Lewis, uh, he does a Led Zeppelin. Oh, he's uh, a
3: Led Zeppelin, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he put up a post on his Facebook page, the, his books of the year from last year. And... Oh. Um, your book was one of them. And oh, I was I got into vine, I got into rock and metal music in the mid 80s and for about four or five years I bought vinyl and then in the early 90s I I started buying CDs and um it's only recently I've gotten back into into vinyl because yeah. my my wife bought me a turntable for Christmas and one of the first things she said to me was, I don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea.
3: <laughs> now she knows it was a bad idea.
2: <laughs> so let, let, let's let start with uh, where the idea came from to do the book. Was it something you wanted to do or were a lot of people pushing you to write it? I've had it at the
3: back of my mind to do a book of this nature for some while. I mean, I've worked for the same company for 45 years and um was Pretty busy during those years, and my emphasis was on what I was doing for a living in terms of writing. I've written a lot of books before about um, horse racing and betting, and those were the worlds that I was working in. But at the back of my mind, always was the idea uh, for Vinyl Countdown because that's my sort of relaxation. Has always been um, hiding myself in the in the record collection and, and getting off to record shops and talking to friends and people about getting their record collections out of the lofts where, or the attics where they've left them. Um, I've heard that so many times um, during promotion for, for the book. And um, yeah, so I got the opportunity when I when I sort of semi-retired and I thought, okay, um, initially I thought I'll do some freelance journalism and I wrote a piece for Record Collector Magazine about an ultimate ambition of visit, visiting every record shop. Uh, in the UK, ultimately, and from that, the idea of, of expanding it to a book came. And um, I happened to know a couple of publishers through my other outlets, and um, approached one of them who was who was pretty enthusiastic. So I thought I'll go with somebody that likes the idea.
2: Mm. That was the next question I was going to ask you: was how difficult is it to shop an idea like this to to a publisher? Because the other books are are are, are one thing, but this is a yeah. kind. Of, this is a kind of a niche market. The book that you've, you're releasing on, on going to all these vinyl shops, and I think for a publisher, one of the difficulties would be, um, and like if you look at me in Boston, I'm not going to know 99.9% of the shops like to sell that. No,
3: absolutely. I mean, no, uh, uh, that initial idea of just writing it about shops soon sort of took sort of, a uh, back a backseat because I thought, okay, who's going to be interested in it if I just say it? And then I went to this shop and that happened. Then I went to that shop and this happened. Then I went to another shop and something similar happened. So I thought, no, you've got to be selective here and you've got to add into it other ingredients um, such as how you got into it, why you got into it, why you've stayed into it, where well, so many people have left it and why you want those people that have left it to come back into it. And I also wanted the view from the other side of the of a coin, as it were, and I, I got speaking early on um, to a record shop owner, and I thought, I, I want the other side of the story, but I don't want to be going into every shop where I'm looking uh, to buy something to say to the person behind the counter, would Would you tell me how you feel about this? I wanted to use one person as a, as a sort of spokesperson for that side of the thing. And then I thought I had enough different elements to make it of interest to anyone really who'd ever collected a record because uh, i think once you've got one uh, if you get another one you've got a collection and um i know because i'm of that generation that virtually everybody when i was an impressionable teenager was doing the same thing they all had records uh, and most of them even though they stopped collecting couldn't bring themselves to actually throw them away so they put them out of sight upstairs in um um, I think I've already encouraged quite a few to go up and get them out and get the turntable going and go and buy some more of them. Yeah.
2: Now, Graeme, when vinyl had a resurgence a couple of years ago, as someone who's been into vinyl for a long time like yourself, uh, did you see that as a fad or did you think it had last?
3: I, the combination of it, I, I, I sort of, in a way, resented it. Presented hearing it personally and um, maybe that, that there's a small story in the book where uh, I, I was in a charity shop and uh, looking through some vinyl there and uh, the chap in the shop looked at me sort of smiled and said oh it's making a comeback isn't it and I thought oh, and I said to him it's for some of us it's never been away and um, that's how I felt but then I thought okay I appreciate that it's what's happening as well is that some of the, the new potential buyers some of the younger element of this world um are understanding something that they didn't know anything about before they are seeing vinyl suddenly appearing uh, in shops and they like new bands who they may have been downloading or screening and they now as bands are putting their music onto vinyl and if they get into it that's only good i I'm, I'm i have no problem with that at all it's not an area that is going to uh, attract me too much because the music i'm looking at is is um is well in the past, and I prefer to have original versions of that. But I do like reissue versions on new vinyl. I have no problem with that either. So to my way of thinking, anybody that wants to buy a vinyl record is is a good thing.
2: Mm. Now, one of the things you do talk about in the book is uh, you're not a fan of record store, day.
3: No, absolutely not. Um, (laughs) I think that's um, probably one of my own little... um, Boy balls. Uh, I, I get really to the name of it. I only ever called record shops record shops, and I think fine. I know it, I understand it started in America, and that's fine where they're known as record stores. But I think if you're going to bring it to a different country, you you should pay attention to what they what that country does with that particular subject. And to me, if they called it Record Shop Day, I wouldn't have got off on the wrong foot with it. Uh, and I still really don't like the fact that it focuses particularly on deliberately produced commercial releases on one particular day, uh, which just really creates a black market on, online uh, for people that want to exploit what, what's happening. Um, so yes, I do have a few problems with Record Store Day, but ultimately if it continues to um, um, enhance the interest in vinyl all around, then fine. I, I, can, I can live with it. I don't have to join it.
2: Mm. Now, do you know many people that, when CDs came out, they wouldn't buy CDs at all. That all they'd no. buy, all they'd buy, is vinyl. And the question I have about that, the specific question is: for a lot of bands, they never actually released anything on vinyl when the CDs came out originally. So, did your friends just not buy the new stuff at all?
3: No, you're right there. A lot of new bands didn't. Um, but I, to me, um, there is of course the element of cost involved in collecting vinyl because it is expensive comparatively. Um, secondhand vinyl doesn't always have to be expensive, but you know, when you're faced with the option of looking for an original record that may cost set you back a three-figure sum to buy, um, and you can also buy a reissued version on vinyl for maybe 20 quid, and you can buy a CD for 10 quid, Well, not everybody can afford the £20 or the £100 option, so I have no problem at all with people buying stuff uh, on on CD if they want to. Um, I was a little sceptical about um, a lot of the reissue records in particular costing in excess of £20, because I think probably most of the costs of of that music in the first place to the bands and creating it in the studios has all been paid. And I, I, I detect the possibility of an industry... Costing itself ultimately by overcharging for a, for a product when it becomes popular and um, when the initial interest dies off, it, it will find there are not enough people there to continue to produce um, records on vinyl. But certainly for the younger market who at first find it a novelty, I'm confident that a good proportion of them will prefer that way of listening to their music and think to themselves, well, at least I have something in my hand that I've paid for. I have a, a cover that I can look at and read. Um, um. ultimately, I, I own that music in some way, whereas if you download and stream, you don't actually own anything.
2: Mm, it's interesting you bring up reading because I find as I get older, I, I can't read the CD booklets. The writing is so small on it. But, cause I, I've, I've taken out some of my records and I'm I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, this is much better. Yeah, it,
3: it, it, it's an odd thing sitting there with a magnifying glass, for sure. For yeah. sure but ultimately... You're probably buying the CD specifically for the music. Um, if you're, you know, if you're looking at older music, you probably um, know most of the stuff on there. But um, yes, there's no, there's no beating the the tactile element of the of an LP for mm. sure. That, that's a big advantage over both CDs and um, and downloading and streaming.
2: Mm. Are you someone, Graham, who's updated your turntable a few times now that? You have a huge collection, and will you actually spend the money then not only on your collection but to make sure you have a really up-to-date turntable to play it on?
3: Well, the thing is, I didn't hear most of that music on up-to-date turntables originally. I heard it and loved it on tinny old transistor radios, by and large. And then if I was lucky, I could play it on my mum and dad's old um, record player. Um, So I loved the music as I heard it then, so it doesn't really... Matter to me as such. I don't have to hear it in pristine hi-fi or you know high high-end uh, amplifiers and, and stuff. I have a decent system. I'm not prepared. I would I would rather spend the extra money on more records than uh, upgrading to, uh, as some people might say my own equipment. Plus, you have to accept when you get to a certain age, maybe your ears are not quite as good as they, <laughs> they were many years ago. So. Just turn the thing
2: up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got a system. I I spent about seven hundred Irish pounds on in in the mid nineties, and I haven't hooked up a, it's
3: a tur- lot of money in the mid nineties, so yeah. that's going to be a
2: good system. Yeah, it's a Technics. Um, I can't remember the 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 model, but uh, I only hooked up a turntable to it at Christmas, and this the thing sounds amazing. I think, and my turntable yeah. cost about one hundred and sixty. Do- dollars, But when you look at some of the options that are out there, you could spend easily spend a couple of grand on a turntable.
3: Yeah, and, and then you're talking, you know, different elements. Somebody could write a book about loving sound, you know, not necessarily the music. They want a pristine sound. And there are so many different elements to the equipment on which you can listen to music. You know, you, you can upgrade the stylus. You can upgrade the turntable. You can, up, you can upgrade the things that you put under the turntable to make it sound better. You can have little levels to make sure that everything's absolutely you know, in the, pristine. I, I can't be doing with that. Just slap the thing on the turntable and listen to it, man.
2: <laughs> Graham, where do you stand on records sounding better? Um, you know the way they say they have a warmer sound. Um, yeah. Is is that something that you can point your finger at and say, yeah, if I put this CD on and then I put the record on, it sounds better on, on LP? Or is it just something you feel, something, some memory you have that it just feels better rather than it sounding better.
3: I think you're probably right because a lot of the way that you hear music depends on the mood you're in when you sit down to hear it anyway. So, you know, if you listen to a CD in a good mood, it's going to sound as good as listening to a vinyl record in a bad mood. Um, I, no, I, I I wouldn't say there's a vast difference. I know some people claim to hear the difference, but as I said to you before, with the majority of music that I'm listening to, which will have been recorded in 1968, 69, 70, 71, um, You know, how I hear it then is how I want to hear it now. So um, I don't particularly uh, aspire to being able to listen to a crispy. And the the more you think you're listening to something crispy, the more likely you are to hear a little flaw in it. Whereas I recognize every little jump or scratch on on a record, and I welcome it because it's an old friend, and I remember how and why it's there.
2: Mm. It's funny because when I started buying CDs, I didn't have the vinyl of that record and now I'm actually going the other way around where I had I had the vinyl, then I bought the CD, then I might buy the remastered CD, but on some of them now, I'm actually buying the vinyl after I bought the CD already. I'm going the, I'm going the complete opposite. Yeah, it can work
3: either way and it's all a coming plan by the recording industry to make us buy the same thing twice or three times anyway, yeah. isn't it? Um at the end of the day but that's that's the same for any collector I'm sure it's the same with people who love books you know they'll buy it in paperback initially then should they go and get the hardback Um, or will they want to read it on a Kindle it's the same sort of discussion it's what you take to uh, and what you enjoy and nobody should really tell you that you're wrong in doing it in any which way Mm. Now
2: now, Graham you went to a lot of stores to write the book Um, when did you know that you had enough that you didn't have to go anywhere else, that you had enough stores visited and you had enough material to finish the book.
3: Probably when I was about 18. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a journalist by trade anyway, so you can, all, you can, always, uh, you can always amplify the, uh, the stories you've got. Well, no, I, well, in terms of, of the book, I, I, by, almost by accident, I started going to different parts of the world because I was... A following friends that moved abroad, B uh, going to see all the big horse racing events that were happening all over the, all over the world, and wherever we went for a, a horse race, we went and made sure we, I found the local record shops. And my son, helpfully moved out to New Zealand, so I was able to go and see him and go and check out all the record shops over there. And one of my best mates is a is a, is a so um, you know we can go over there as well. And um, it's an it's an international language, even if you don't understand. Uh, the message on the outside of the shop, once you recognize that they've got vinyl in there and you go in, it doesn't really matter that you can't speak the same language.
2: Mm. Now, do you still have um, the big chains there, like HMV, or are, are they still around?
3: HMV recently changed hands. Um, somebody bought it and has made a big um, thing of wanting to um, bring back vinyl into the stores. I think there's a big one in Birmingham that that um, have been open that's um, stocking a great deal of vinyl. But by and large, I think the people keeping it alive are the smaller independent one-off stores or small chains. Um, you know, the rough trades of this world, the flashbacks, and those sort of uh, relatively small chains have kept the flag flying. Um, and I do, I must admit, prefer the purely second-hand stores, which, which tend to be of the uh, smaller one-off type.
2: Mm, I think I'm with you on that. I've got a great one in the town I live in over here. And they seem to be very knowledgeable about yeah. what what they have. But one of the things I did notice reading the book is th- th- the apathy that some of the owners had and the difficulty you had either finding them or getting them to open the store. Uh, yeah. That that really, in some ways, surprised me. I I, I think there was one guy that, I think it was in Jersey that he had the stuff in his garage and you were texting, yeah. and you were texting him and it was, yeah, I, I was literally strange. reading, I was, I, I was reading your text and I'm like, does this guy actually want to sell anything?
3: I know it was strange. Isn't it? I'm, I'm thinking well, what, what, there's got to be something strange here, you know, and ultimately there was something quite strange. because <laughs> It was in a garage in his, almost in his back garden. Um, but he explained that he'd sort of, he had run a, um an ordinary as it were shop um and eventually decided against doing that and and did go online to start selling and of course jersey is a relatively small um market um and he he's gone his own quirky way um we're we're quite a pally now and i i go to jersey every year so i will be seeing him again later this year um but yeah he um he was odd and then there are the other ones where you go in as a you know, I, I look at myself in the mirror before I go out and I think, yeah, I'm still a 60 plus something white white bloke. And I walk into a shop and somebody puts a rap record on. And I think, great, I don't, you know, nothing wrong with doing that. But look at me, are you going to sell it to me? Probably not, you know? Why mm-hmm. not put on something that you think I might quite like? happen to me once, well, doesn't happen often. I walked into a shop with the only one there. Somebody put Quicksilver Messenger service on. I thought, <laughs> you've got me, you know, you know exactly what yeah the, um, yes, a, and that's other other times you walk in and you know they just ignore you, and you're the only perfect person in the shop. You think, well, if you engage with a customer, of course- surely they're they're far more likely to to appreciate a bit of empathy you you've shown and feel almost obliged to buy something before you walk out mm. now,
2: one of the you have a chapter in the book all about the things you don't like about vinyl stores like are on vinyl, you hate people riding on the sleeve. You hate it when they don't come with plastic sleeves. I think one of the pet peeves I have is uh, if you go into a store and the vinyl is stacked on top of each other. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's another pet, pe- pet peeve of yours.
3: Yeah, and it, it is difficult. I appreciate it's difficult because um, the guy that I quote quite a lot in the book, Julian, in second scene, because it's a tiny shop, um, he has to find all sorts of ways to be able to display what he's got, and, and get as much as possible out there, because there's always some somebody that's going to walk in and ask for something that you haven't got on display at that particular time. Um, but yes, there seem to, be there are some rules. You just think to yourself, okay, you walk in a shop, and all the none of the records have got plastic sleeves. on. I you know, we, we, it's not a debate we should get into here about the value of plastic or otherwise. But there should be some sort of protection on those records, because every time somebody looks at them, they become a little less pristine. Um, so why why do that? It's, it's a relatively small expense, and it's going to encourage people to buy from you and just to throw them hibble dee into a pile, as you say, on top of each other. And It just suggests that uh, that person's heart is not really in running a repertoire.
2: Hmm. Did you find some stores when you were doing the book that they opened because it was a trend, they could make a few quick books, they didn't really realize what they were getting into and they had no real knowledge of the industry itself.
3: I, yeah, there one or two of those. I don't think that's a, a general problem. I think the, the element of opening um, thinking it's a good idea and then finding that it is a bit harder than you think, that comes that does come through, and I did get that a number of times. And I can understand, in a way, if you're a small operation, the more successful you become, the more work you're creating for yourself. Um, and if you're doing this to indulge your own interest in records and vinyl, you're possibly of an age where you haven't quite got the energy to pour into it that you might have done if you'd done it 10, 20 years earlier. Um, but that's like, again, most businesses, isn't it? You, if, if you want to find your own level and just say, I only want to make a, a relatively small profit to be able to keep doing this, then you can sort of say, okay, maybe I'll only open three or four days a week. I can do something else the rest of the time. And it, I can appreciate it, it must be quite... Um, if you're in a very small uh, shop for a long period of time, um, it must be a bit claustrophobic for you as, a, as an individual. Uh, and sometimes you're having to be nice to people you don't particularly want to be nice to, which is, again is the same in any, any business. And you've got people who will be time wasters who have no intention of buying anything. Uh, I'm just coming in to tell you that they've seen the same record somewhere down the road cheaper. Um, all those things, all those um, downsides were explained to me but by and large the majority of people I think keep going because their heart is in it and they do want to do it. They're not necessarily doing it to make a vast fortune, they're doing it to keep themselves interested and um, and to make enough money to be able to keep doing it.
2: Mm-hmm. Now at this stage Graham, collecting vinyl um, is the chase better for you than the catch? Like, Do you just enjoy going out Chasing stuff. um Do you do, go, yeah. yeah? Do you go out with? uh You don't have a, a predetermined idea in mind of what you're going to buy, or do you specifically go out saying, "I want to find this, 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 and this," and I don't care how I, I find, find it. Something
3: that I don't know I want to find. That's usually what I say when I when I go out. That's that's that is the the excellent day. You know, when you when you discover something you didn't even know existed before. Yes, it's good as well sometimes when there are you've got a few things on your wish list. Uh, but as you get older, it's my age ancient age, you've got most of what you uh, what you know you want. Um, and, and there is an element now. I've, I've sort of reinterested a couple of friends in, in collecting records and, and right. going back to their own um, record collections, and they've got a lot of years to make up on me. So I like to go out with them and help them find stuff that they haven't um, collected over the years, and because I know who they liked originally, I can sort of predict the sort of stuff that they'll like as well so I, could, I can equally take a delight in finding something for them and saying look I think you'll like this. Uh, I've got a I've got a friend who was a particular fan of cream back in the day and um, when Ginger Baker, Baker died recently he said to me I'd like to start collecting some Ginger Baker stuff that he did subsequent to cream and I said we've well, probably picked a bad time to do it because now he's, the value of it's going to go up because he's dead it's illogical but that's what happens isn't it and sure enough, I found him a Ginger Baker Air Force double album when we were out the other week. And I said, I found your record. I said, that's the good news. I said, bad news is it cost you 50 quid, whereas you could buy the CD for 14 or 15 that for you?
2: Yeah. One of the things that I, I found fascinating in the beginning of the book is there was a mention of a guy who had over two and a half thousand copies of the White Album by the Beatles.
3: Yeah. Excuse
2: me. Um, and but he's an artist, I think.
3: That's why he's doing it. Yeah. And you, he claims you, to be
2: an artist. You also mentioned, Graham, and I actually went and watched this. I had no idea it existed. Some documentary called Vinyl. And yeah. um, Oh,
3: that's an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary
2: I, piece I, of work. I watched it. It's about two hours long, and I was fascinated. And I was some, yeah. in some of it, I was appalled. I'll be honest yeah. with you. The, the yeah. collection some of these guys had was, like, mind-blowing.
3: Yeah, um, with some people, obviously, I I suppose, again, it's like every interest people have in my previous, you know, my full-time employment working in bookmaking and betting, there are people who take gambling too far, there are people who take any hobby too far, Um, and some of those people clearly are compensating for something missing in their lives, I think, in, the, in that particular movie, which is, which is a real eye-opener. Um, you know, you I, I wouldn't want to see anybody um, deliberately go to those, those lengths. Um, but it happens, you know, that's the way the world is. And uh, you can only look at some of them and just think, okay, they're, they're but for the grace of God, quite possibly.
2: Mm, there was another thing in the documentary that fascinated me. When he put the box of records across from his apartment outside a shop, and random people had come and just look through them and take them all. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that, that was strange, wasn't it? Um, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's life. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So the other, one of the other things I just want to touch on before I leave you go, and I'm glad you actually brought it up in the book, the importance of compilation albums for people, mm. especially in the beginning when they start collecting, because you might know one or two of the artists and, with a compilation record, it might vary off to search for the other bands. It, they had a big impact on me when I was when I was yeah. a, a kid, and I, I'm glad you actually brought that up in the book.
3: They they were an inspiration for a lot of people, and that was it was a, it was a great marketing idea as well. And people did you, you know you you still look back at some of those records that cost you maybe thirteen and six or ten and ninepence or whatever it was back in the day, and a dozen different bands on there that you would never heard of. Or if you liked mainstream music, you could buy compilations as you can now with the like, Now series. You can you can buy compilations like the k records and the Arcade records that were compilations of hip, hits. Um, and that only encouraged people when they heard, they knew some of the stuff on there, but when they heard stuff they didn't know, they thought, oh, I really like that, that group or that singer. Let me go and see what they've got. In their own right, and I can buy. And obviously, it led to, to more sales for those acts, and therefore for the record companies that were um, shrewd enough to, um, to think, okay, well, we may take a hit on the cost of these records, but it, it will encourage people to look for other stuff.
2: Because mm, I Not remember. Enough
3: to eat. That, was, that was fantastic.
2: Yeah, I remember in the so, 80s growing up, there was. Um, no, that's what I call music. Um, yeah. And
3: it's still today.
2: Yeah, is it? Really?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's gone over 50 now and well, maybe even up to 70, yeah, they're, they're, they, um, they're still going. Wow,
2: wow. The only problem with compilations like that, I find, is when, by the time they come out, half the records or more are already out of the charts. It's the timing.
3: Yeah. Yes, you, uh, it's difficult to get it right, isn't it? But at, at the same time, um, they are... Uh, a way in, and uh, an awful lot of people will look back on those with great gratitude because they introduced them to a lot of um, a lot of music they wouldn't otherwise have heard.
2: Mm. Graham, I just want to touch on another thing you had in the book. Um, y- you don't see CDs as having the same collectible value as vinyl. Is oh. that be- is that because CDs are they're they're more recent, or because vinyl is bigger and it just looks better? Like, wh- what's your take on all that now?
3: I uh, just it doesn't make any logical sense, does it? So if you go into a charity shop uh, or even a lot of record shops, they'll they'll say you know of their CDs, right? Any CD in in the pack here is two or three quid, um, but the records are priced individually, anything from like fifty pence to fifty quid. And you think it's not possible that every CD can be worth the same amount of money, however small or large that amount might be. And indeed, that I think. CDs have yet to reach their peak in terms of being um, saleable items uh, as rarities and I think a lot a lot of them as fewer um, artists issue CDs or record companies issue them I think they will become more valuable and for people looking back at um, the collections this is a great time to get them you can go in a charity shop and buy CDs for like three for a pound it's ridiculous it's a fantastic way to pick up a lot of music um, that otherwise you may have thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm not prepared to spend a tender on that, on that, taking a chance on this group or artist that I've never heard of. But you can pick them up for 50 pence, and that's just going to be mad. Um, exploit it while you can, because it won't last long.
2: Yeah, w- one of the other things you bring up in the book is um, trying to sneak the vinyl into the house without your wife catching it. I'm glad I'm not... I'm <laughs> glad-
3: she's listening <laughs> at the moment, so I better not comment <laughs> on that. Well,
2: I- I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I'm not the only one.
3: <laughs> no, you're not you're far from it. <laughs> we'll come up with even more inventive ideas <laughs> the time.
2: So, Graham, final final question: um, What's the longest you've gone recently without going to a vinyl shop? Is it something you like to do every week or twice a week, or does it all depend on where you are?
3: Uh, yeah, it depends where I am to some extent and what the weather's like and all those sort of things. And Christmas sometimes weather can be iffy, and I did go. I think that's part of three weeks without buying a record. Um, not that not that long ago, um, but I've soon got that right eventually. Uh, so yes, I, I, I do, do start to get withdrawal symptoms if it goes too long, and uh, I try and make sure it doesn't.
2: Okay, so Graham, uh, do you want to give out where people can uh, come buy the book or maybe get in touch with you? Do you have a website?
3: Yeah, um, you, you can get me via the um, the publisher's website, the Old Castle Book. If you Google that, you'll you'll find them. You can find me on Twitter. My handle there is sharpangle, that's S-H-A-R-P-E-A-N-G-L-E. The book is readily available from most major suppliers. You know, the Amazons and Ebays of this world have have, have got it, and your local bookshop can order it wherever in the world you may be. So um, uh, a lot of people, fortunately, are, are doing that and have managed to do it, and I'm very grateful to them for doing it.
2: Mm. Well, Graham, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your time. Likewise. All right. And have uh, day. Have a good rest of the day and keep buying.
3: Cheers. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Bye. it, that.
0: All right. There is Richie's talk with Graham Sharp, author of Vinyl Countdown, along with a whole bunch of discussion with Richie and myself, all about vinyl as well. And uh, do yourself a favor go out and pick up that book if you're into uh Seeing what this whole vinyl renaissance is all about and, uh, you know, maybe get some good tips on some stores out there as well. Never thought that uh, vinyl will be back in as, uh, as big as it is right now, but, uh, there you go. Uh, like I said, totally unexpected. So hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And next week, we're thinking if all goes well. I always like to throw that out there as the uh, as the what if. But if all goes well, then uh, I think we'll be rolling a pretty awesome uh, talk that Richie had with Greg Chase. On probably remember Greg from. Uh, back with the uh, classic band badlands one of my favorites but uh, richie had one of those classic richie long format chats with greg and we're hoping to bring you that like i said next week and you're gonna hear all about uh, what he's up to these days as well as some throwback discussion uh, as uh, is always expected from uh, my co-host richie but uh, for now That's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for myself and Richie, as always, have yourselves a great meta week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant.